to episode 5 of Q&A. I believe it's episode 5. Yes. And I'm here with the one and only Jules Cruz from the Philharmonic. Hello, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. And we are in One Med- One Down Media's building. We have their, uh, we're at their podcast space. They were nice enough to let us use it. So, um, yeah, maybe this will... Be where we record all our episodes from now on. Who knows? Yeah, it's great. We're here in K-Town, and there's delicious food across the street. And you know what else could you want? So exactly. Right yeah. So, um, folks, Jules right here is one of, my, one of my closest friends. We've been friends since 2011, I believe. Yeah, I think so. 11 years college roommates for six years, and... Um, I think you might be the oldest friend that I have, along with Corey, right, that I yes. still talk to like on a kind of yeah. a semi-regular basis. Yeah, That is crazy. Um, and, you know, for the record, I met you before Corey, though. So, you know, I think I still am winning. But, uh, yeah, it's been a long time, dude. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. Um, so, yes, me and Jules, we met at Mount Sac, a community college in Walnut, California, and, um, I believe the story is, we played basketball, we haven't met prior to basketball, I don't even think we ever talked before that first time we ever played basketball together. No, 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 because I used to play at this random scary park, and then... Mark Zapanta, yeah. I think is what, who was like the one who invited you because you were in choir, we yeah. were in choir. So I was like, yeah, I'm down to play with whoever. And I think you said like, you know, I don't really like playing outdoors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm down. yeah. And you know what? I that's fair looking back now because that was a very scary park that we played at, and we play we play until like midnight. I have no idea how we did that. <laughs> yeah, people got stabbed there. Yeah. Um, but you know, we were young, and um, yeah, but. It was funny because after, uh, uh, pretty much a week after that first time playing together, you asked me to be a roommate. So what was your thought process behind that? Because you barely knew me, you know? Like, I just, we just played basketball for like, like maybe one or two hours. Yeah. What made you confident enough to be like, okay, I'm going to take a chance on this guy? Because we weren't even, we are going to share a room. Yeah. Yeah, we weren't even going to be in separate rooms. So it's like a big, big commitment. You know? Okay, well, first of all, here's the thought process. Is whenever you're a guy who plays basketball, you're always thinking, how can I make sure that this guy can hoop with me (laughs) (laughs) for the long term? So I had to get a contract in, you know. It's like, you know, let's make sure we sign this guy. So I I asked you my roommate. But also, um, I, like, the options were kind of slim at the moment. Like, you know, there was, like, a bunch of random people who were offering me from choir. And when you're in a choir, you're bound to hit, like, half just like people you're like i don't know if you'd be cool to live with so you know i think i thought we just got along pretty well so i was like this could work out and you seem pretty oh. chill and everyone has said good things about you so i was like yeah maybe this guy can we can figure something out what about my vibe or personality made you feel comfortable from us playing basketball if you remember i think it's just you you are very disarming yes when you when very people meet true. you they're always very comfortable right away yeah, I um, think to a fault almost. Like people 
just take advantage of me right after that. I'm on like two this arc. This well, look, you're much different now than you were back then too. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, you were just someone that I felt like people would get along with. So uh, I don't know. It was just that. I I don't know if there's anything else. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Um. Yeah. I am a little. Am I that different? You think? Have you changed from the first time I met you? Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, interesting. In what way? I think you have found ways to still be authentic, but be more assertive than you. Boundaries, like, maybe? Yeah. It's it's boundaries, but, you know, like, it's also just, just experience meeting people and just finding out, like, what kind of things you like. And it feels like oh. you are, you're more assured of yourself now. I feel like you know me better than a lot like if i have to say like three people in this world that know me the best i would say you're one of them yeah it's so hard when you live with someone like you you see like every single bit of that person yeah. and like whether it's like the awkward stages of them or it's like the bad stages of them being like whatever you know the roommate like you just you can't avoid being every single version of yourself right so i feel like yeah i feel the same way like you've lived with me for so long so you know we figured out how we are just in our normal state yeah like you can't you can't fake it for 24 7 like we like you know we, yes. we had to see this version the yes. version of yourself so yeah i i will agree because um when you asked me to be a roommate i was um i was kind of looking i think i was living with my parents at the time and i wanted and we lived in west covina so it wasn't too far from uh mount sack at all um but i i just wanted to get out and you had a very good reputation at Mount Sac. Like, people saw you as, like, the funny guy, the guy everyone wants to be friends with. So, and at that time, I was still trying to get into Chamber Singer. So, I was like, yeah. maybe this could be, like, a networking <laughs> opportunity, too. But if I didn't feel like we would mesh, I, of course, would have said no. But agreed. Like, I, you, um... But here's the thing that I realized about you pretty quickly in living with you is that you like, can execute an idea as soon as you have it. And oh. and that's one of the reasons, like, I asked you, I think, like, within a couple of days, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Like, that yeah. sounds cool. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm kind of surprised that he was able to, like, make that decision and, like, commit to it. For doing. And, like, I feel like there's so many things that I was surprised that when you would say something and you would just do it, you'd be like, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a motorcycle. Oh! <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> like, I remember you know, that. Like, the minute you were... The minute you were done with the motorcycle, you're like, I don't want anymore. So you sold it like the next day. Well, I, I, um, I had a motorcycle. Yes, and it was a fast decision. I bought it for like a thousand bucks on Craigslist, and it had issues forever. I, but the reason why I sold it is because in less than a year, I don't know if you remember, I fell four times. So and it was it was one really bad one. The last one was a horrible one. Yeah. I got off work at 11 p.m. I worked at Paris Baguette, and I would always bring leftover. Um, a bakery goods that weren't sold yeah. and I would hang it on my wrist as I'm driving the motorcycle and that night we had a lot of heavy pastries that's like the a... most Asian thing you've ever done <laughs> <I know. laughs> like you're in the streets yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank god but <laughs> I had like there were like a lot of croissants and those are heavy so when I was riding the motorcycle I got like off kiltered and I was coming down this hill where it's a hill that's turning. It's, we have super windy hills. Exactly. Yeah. So I was going fast and there's this light afterwards that's always green, but it was red. Mm. And literally I had like 10 or 15 yards to 
slam the brakes downhill. And you never want to slam the brakes when you're going downhill at a certain speed, but I did. So my motorcycle started shaking and I vividly remember, I remember thinking I'm going to break a bone. Like literally as I'm shaking within like that three yeah. seconds, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to break a bone right now. And I never broke a bone before, but it was actually a very peaceful moment. Like I just accepted that I'm about to get really, really hurt. <laughs> so I fell and I literally rolled like um, probably like six times. My God. And I just slid there for a second trying to feel like, okay, what's broken? And there was someone there? Or was it so late that no one was even around? Well, um, there was a car at that red light in front of me. So um, he he stayed in that car, but I was fine. I I had a small, tiny little bruise on my ankle, but that was it. But I knew that. After that moment, I, I I put up an ad on Craigslist. I'm selling this thing. Yeah, yeah but that's why. But, but that was like, yeah. it took way too many times. Cause I think you got hit by a car like, on the freeway or something. Like, didn't that not happen? I got slightly bumped on a rainy day during a freeway. I should never yeah. be riding outside um, while it's raining on my motorcycle, but I did. And a, a car like slightly bumped me and I fell. Yeah. yeah. So just horrifying. horrible idea. Yeah. I remember one time we like got dinner. And we were, <laughs> I said, I'll race you back. <laughs> so we raced back and Jules is in his car. And I think Corey was in the car too, or he was in his car. Uh-huh. But, but we, <laughs> we we got to our house and I won. And <laughs> I remember Corey saying like, dang, Jules, like, why didn't you go faster? <laughs> and then Jules is like, oh yeah, I, I, I didn't want to kill them. Or so, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to accidentally yeah, dude, it was crash pretty rough. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I feel like there's some examples of you just like doing something and then just yes, like and another example is like you just remember you bought that gaming computer for like oh. not even like half a year. Yeah, and you're like you sold it right away. Yes, that is a a big issue with me. Is that how's that? You think it's an issue? I I I always thought I was admired that. Um, it it definitely has pros and cons. Like yes, I love. It's fun and it's spontaneous. And sometimes making a bold choice like that fast pays off. Yeah. But I think sometimes it, it, it um, I look back thinking like, oh, I shouldn't have done that or something, you know? <laughs> so there's, it's, I'm trying to like yeah. be more. But also it's like, it's you cutting your losses, which is like something that's admirable. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times I'll be like irrationally like sentimental about something so I can't get rid of it. And I'll stick around and like have it for too long, but you know, or it's like, I feel like it's sunken costs where I'm like, okay, I already did this for so long. I have to keep doing it. Mm. But right, I, like, we are just like, okay, well, when I'm done, I'm literally done and I don't want to do it anymore, which is like, I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's definitely has its perks, but sometimes, yeah, I do feel like I, I throw something away too fast. Like that gaming computer, I just gave it away for free. Cause I'm like, I'm never going <laughs> to play this thing. And then like <laughs> a week later. I gave it to Sam. Oh, do you yeah, remember yeah, Sam yeah, on? Yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 I literally just gave it to him for free because I wasn't playing it. And then like a week later, I'm like, oh fudge, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I oh, did. I, I did it one time too. I just I've given people stuff away that I was like, I don't know why I did that. Yeah, like I thought that it would really change my relationship with them or something like that. Maybe it'd make, it's like it's like. I'm going to be looked at as so kind. Right. But I'm like, that was not worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, some, yeah, sometimes you do something really kind and you feel good, but it usually goes away after like, like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that sucks. It's not, I should have done that. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, that I will say, I think that meeting you and living in that apartment definitely shaped me, especially comedically. Swear to God, when I um when I started living with you, like I thought, wow, like I I met funny people, but I was like, like Jules is is funny, like he's really really funny, like. And I never met someone like that hmm. with your type of humor. It's like clever, smart, kind of zany, quick. So I really admire that quality. And I think I adopted a lot of those comedic traits. And Corey was a very funny guy, yeah, too, in yeah. his way. I thought Corey was funny. We but... had a good little crew there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we lived together for six years and... I think that's a pretty long time to be living yeah. with some people. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's actually a question I had for you. Where did you develop your sense of humor? Um, like, was it a family member? Was it TV? Was it a mixture? It was, I, I'd say that being like, yeah. So being an only child and not really like living around with my cousins, you know, I like and stuff like that. Like I, I live with my cousins for a bit, but being an only child, I was just stuck in my room, like, constantly. So it was absorbing a lot of material. I really liked certain um, shows and, and comedians that I would kind of, like, follow. But the main thing was realizing that I wasn't cool enough or popular enough when I was growing up to be normal. Like, I really had to do something that was oh. strange in order to make myself feel like I was worthy of people's attention. Why did you feel that you weren't already worthy without being funny? It's because, like, I, you know, I was always alone, so I always felt like maybe I wasn't, oh. like, socially as great. I was, like, feeling like I was someone who, um, yeah, I had, like, you know, social anxiety growing up, like, as a kid. So I was, like, it was me kind of, like, finding a way to be, like, okay, guess what, guys? Like, I'm maybe not the coolest person here, but I can say and do weird shit, like, and maybe it'll be entertaining. Like, oh. so it started off there, but, um... You know, my, my dad is, like, super funny. He always, like, he loves is, joking yeah. around. And um, I kind of, like, think I was modeled, like, after like, his, that, that type of thing, too, realizing that you have a lot of value in making people laugh. Mm. But, um, yeah, I was always, like, for me, started at a place of just trying to, like, establish myself as something. And I found that the weirder I could be, the more I can uh, stand out, I think. Yeah, that's so interesting. Almost every comedian says they developed their humor because it was like a survival tool or like a, a tool for them to achieve some certain status or it was something that they needed to do to improve their life yeah instead of like oh, i just did it because i enjoyed it or something yeah it's like because i as much as we play basketball and everything like i'm not really naturally that competitive when it comes to um just like fitting into a group or anything like that. So yeah. I was always like, okay, I can't be better than you in this. I can't be better than you in that. So um, I think I just have to try to do something fucking weird. I don't Interesting. know. <laughs> but it was always like, yeah. I, I was always trying to reject like traditional class clown stuff because my friends in high school were always like telling me how like, oh, that's annoying. So I'm like, oh, that is annoying. Right? So oh. how do I be funny but not in that right sort of way like, right like the kid who's like kicking chairs over yeah like, yeah that always like rubbed me the wrong way right so um i had to find out like different kind of style i guess and i'm yeah. very very surprised because this is the first time that i'm hearing this that you had social anxiety because you 
you are so in control of your emotions. Like I never, ever seen you like lose control of, like get really mm. upset, get really mad, get really sad. You always seem so poised and in control and balanced. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, do you, so do you still have social anxiety today? I think to a degree. Yeah. Like, oh. you know, I forced myself to be out and, um, you know, I've been performing for like almost right. 10 years now. So it's like, I've met so many people who have done all these shows that you develop a, a character that's outgoing and cool. But the minute that I find myself reverting back to like normal, um, like, middle school jewels it's like if the setting isn't right for me socially like maybe like i'm in a group that is new to me or whatever i can feel myself getting shy again and i have a tendency to just like completely shut out um and it's like i've just like something that i've you know gotten used to because i've got so comfortable being by myself and even when i was like with my parents like my parents are people who um interacted with each other and interacted with me but then like they would have their moments where they were speaking Tagalog so I'd be like okay this is great like, I can just like chill on my oh. own so I feel like there's a lot of different ways that like made me feel less socially confident when I was younger and it's just like been a constant battle of figuring out my place socially in different settings like that and, yeah well, um, one thing I did observe about you that I think made people attracted to you is you seem very comfortable being by yourself or being like you don't uh, like you uh, I feel like you don't feel the pressure of having to fit in like you know like some people they want to fit in and they try to fit in but you seem very comfortable just doing your own thing or marching to the beat of your own drums and saying things that you want to say that's funny without thinking about like like I feel like there's no agenda kind of you're just doing what yeah. you naturally feel i mean i'm glad that that comes across that way but it's like still i think defense mechanisms for someone who grew up with social anxiety it's like now that i like now that i'm realizing i'm more comfortable alone or with you know just like a lone person two people it's like that is just a way for me to realize um that i wasn't good at being in larger groups of people with larger groups of people mm. so it's like i had to be comfortable with that because like it's it's the thing that I'm most used to, and the thing that I'm the best at doing is being alone, and then um, telling myself like this is cool to do, so enjoy it. And I do now, like it's, but that's just a way for me to rationalize it. And then on the other hand, of me like saying stuff or doing things that felt not you know um, like popular, or, like socially like cool. It's like it's my way of being like okay, well I never wanted to be like part of the group anyways, so. This is my way of speaking for those people who feel weird or feel not, you know, accepted. And it's just another way for my brain to be like, you're not uh, in the popular group. You're not with a bunch of people and you can't handle being a large group. So um, tell yourself that that shit is boring anyways and just do something different. I think is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, um, do you ever feel something that i felt um because i was kind of like always known as like kind of be like a funny person too but i don't know why but sometimes i i didn't like that because people like kind of expected me to be funny or they like they just wanted me to be funny at like like at a moment's notice like i almost didn't have like 
a, okay i there's pressure all the time for me and i felt that and i kind of shied away from it i um, totally get that because i was looking at my yearbook recently like from elementary school and middle school and everyone just says you're so funny and i at the time i thought it was an insult oh. like looking back i would read those and be like Ugh, like i can't believe like that they think that of me i wanted to be like you're so hot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be that, but I think also because I was like one of the few Asian people um, in my school, in, in elementary school, and middle school, that I was like, okay, well, I can't be like a hot, so I have to be funny or something else, like because you're just not the same, like you're not in the same tier when you when you're growing up with like a bunch of white people. Yeah, that's how I felt at least. So I had to be like, okay, I guess I gotta be funny, but I didn't want to be. I wanted to be like. I wanted girls to be like, oh, you're so athletic and cute. Never know I said that shit in my yearbook, so, yeah. Wow. But how did you feel? Did you feel like like you wanted to be something else, or you felt like you just felt the pressure of it? Um, I think that, like you, I, I felt like funny was a way for me to stand out as well. Like, it was a way for me to connect to people and kind of, have some status, I suppose. Um, not that... It, it was just a way for me to fit in. Like, if I make someone laugh, they want to be friends with me or they're cool with me. Um, what was the question again? Oh, just, you know, did you feel like you... Yeah, right. you had to... You you were forced to be, like, a funny person or you feel like you want to be something else? I wanted to be the funny person. Um, I, 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 you know, some people... I actually don't doesn't happen too much but when i was in elementary school i was pretty cute like <laughs> i was kind of cute for like a, but i didn't like that type of attention i didn't like that type of attention where i felt like where girls were interested um i mean i i liked it and i didn't like it like it just i just made me feel very shy but i still mm. liked it but i think i'm naturally just not that type of person that's likes that type of attention but i like i really like the attention of someone laughing at me or being fun but that changed because um yeah everyone just wanted to be funny so sometimes when i wasn't funny they're like oh like oh i thought i thought you were funny or you know they would they would actually say like oh that wasn't that funny or they were like be confused if i wasn't being funny they're like yeah. oh like yeah, so I kind of that made me just kind of be more introverted, I suppose, because oh, I didn't want yeah. that pressure on me all the time. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. But no, yeah, it was yeah, that was definitely a weird thing to, to grow up with because there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but I remember realizing that like making you laugh was enjoyable though. Like I remember right. I used to write poems in like third grade, and I would write like funny poems. Yeah, but then I also realized that when I was writing the same funny poem people wouldn't like it anymore. Like, that's oh. not my first, like, in second grade, realizing that, okay, you can't do the same shit over and over, oh. over again. Like, you really have to reinvent yourself. And I was like, damn, this shit is a hard work. Like, writing yeah. is not hard, for, like, hard for me as a kid. It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, you you had um, very conflicting interests because you were in choir, and that's a very big passion of yours. Because I know you said you, you were interested in being a, a choir teacher for a while. Hmm. But you also had an interest in basketball and choir kids who also like sports are pretty rare. Well, especially because you're you're really good at basketball. Um, so okay. the thing I was like, no one knew that I like basketball though because, well, here's the reason why is because I was in choir first of all, and secondly, this was twenty. 
you know, 2007 when, um, like, H&M. Oh. And, <laughs> yeah, and like Hollister and H&M. the Deep V, yeah, like, yeah, from American, yeah, American Apparel. Yeah, so shorts. I was like dressing like indie kid too. So I was like, yeah. no one would have ever thought that I was athletic, right? And even like when I joined like choir in at Mount Sac, remember how we do that baseball game? Yeah, oh. <laughs> I was picked dead last. <laughs> I was, I was like, it's because I'm wearing a scarf. <laughs> now I know I have to, I can't, no one knows to play basketball. So well, I had the opposite of problem. Um, we, we, yeah, we, uh, the choir that we are in, we played a softball game um, at choir camp every year. And our choir director is super sportsy. So he takes it very seriously. Mr. Rogers picked me first and I played horribly because <laughs> I kind of looked like I'll be good at sports, but... I, like, struck out, like, I played so bad, like, he looked so, and he was so disappointed and upset, um, but anyways, yeah, you were picked, so, yeah, yeah, so, where did you, where did you find that love for basketball? Oh, I, I had always played basketball as a kid and all that, like, my families, you know, were always watching games, and it was the, the main reason we bonded as a family, me and oh. my dad was, like, we watched basketball every single, Lakers every single night, so I feel like, it ended up just becoming a way that me and my cousins and my family bonded with each other. So we played so much. Every single day after school, we were playing. And the only time that I didn't really play was that period between high school and beginning of college just because I was so focused on music and choir. So I just oh. stopped playing for a long time, especially because I was dealing with, um, like, high school musicals and oh. Efron-like kind of, like, <laughs> d- dilemma. And even when I stopped playing basketball, my dad was like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Yeah, you got to keep playing. And I was like, I just want to sing, Dad. <laughs> and I really just did. I just did music. I just did choir for so long. Yeah. But I was in a much, I was in like five choirs in high school. So you really like don't have time. Sheesh. So. Did you uh, try for the basketball team? I went to the first day of basketball tryouts my freshman year in high school and I was so out of shape because I barely trained. Oh. And I was like, I that's when I had that discussion. It's like, I don't actually want to try it anymore. Wow. Yeah. Really? But uh, you were, you were, so you were um, out of shape, like you had low stamina or like? It was, it was low stamina, yeah. Oh. Like I knew I had like this pretty good skill level and I knew that if I was just playing pickup with some of these kids, I probably would do pretty well. Right. But it was also just me being shy and dealing with the fact that I look tired around people. <laughs> that I'm like, like, you know, like dead last or doing like suicides. And I was dead last. Oh. So I was like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. And yeah. I'm sure I maybe could be, but I'd rather just sing. For, um, I noticed too, um, for Asians, and it might be just the high school I went to, um, if you're not tall or fast, it's hard. Like even, I, I think even at the high school level, because I had a lot of friends that were really good, but they weren't particularly fast or particularly tall, but they were skilled. Uh-huh. But I think high school coaches, they don't look at skills. They just look at, like, like just height and oh, speed. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's why is... it took Jeremy Lin so long to get. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Team. People just don't yeah. assume that you're not going to be as good as Right. Else. How did you develop your basketball skill set? Who trained you, or did you just play a bunch of pickup basketball? It was mostly just a lot of pickup basketball. Oh. Watching a lot of games and trying to pick up like fair players oh. that I had, so I had I didn't like have real formal training in, like for basketball for the longest time until I took like courses in college when I got bored, you know, like Mount Sac or whatever. 
Wait, you took basketball courses? Like, you know, we just needed, like, extra units. Yeah. I took a basketball class one time. Oh, but it gave, it gave you skills training? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And that was helpful. Dang. Yeah, but it wasn't, I was, like, already, you know, 20 at the time. Yeah. Wow. So you picked the basketball after high school? Um, yeah, you know, I always just played kind of casually at the park and at the gym. We go to the rec center a lot, middle school and, um, like summer before high school, but at high school I was done. I was like, I don't really want to play. Shoot. So I didn't actually take it seriously where I was like tr- training and actually going to shoot around and like working on my form until like probably after high school. What do you think would have happened if you made, um, if you joined the basketball team your freshman year? Do you think you would have ended up picking basketball over choir? I think I probably would have been a douchebag, probably. Oh, oh like, really? I was kind of friends with all the douchey kids <laughs> that were like on the basketball team because I was like, you know, they're hanging out with all the hot people. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to be that, but I didn't make it and it changed the course of my life where now I'm yeah. just, I was like in choir. Just one of the, one of the choir kids. Well, was it, was choir kids cool at your high school? Because at my high school, choir kids, they weren't cool, but they weren't like losers either. They kind of had like a decent amount of social status where they weren't picked on for being a choir. Being there, a choir. there was a school in our district that the choir was, they were the cool people. Yeah. And we were not that school. <laughs> we, were, we were pretty in the middle, I'd say. Okay. We weren't glee, like, you know, nerdy people that were like people who were like making fun of really, but yeah. um, I wouldn't say people thought we were cool. Okay, darn. Yeah. So did you get picked on? But you're, you're also a bass. I feel like basses, men like cool kids kind of appreciate basses more than like if you're a tenor or something like if you've seen the low part well it's just when you're in choir in high school you're just in a bubble because you can just stay in the choir room all day so you don't really you're not affected by the outside world of of your high school yeah that's you just eat lunch in the choir room (laughs) oh yeah you you know you hang out after school at the choir room and you practice on your music so and yeah i mean like three or four of my classes were choir especially my junior and senior year yeah, you were choir president, weren't you? Yeah, I was choir president. I was so into it. I did, I did honor choir, district honor choir, all state. I did national oh, honor choir. That's a big one. I was big so deal. into everything, every opportunity I could do, I was doing it. Dang. And even after school, I did the, um, the scholarship to sing with older people. Like, oh. even even my nights were choir. So I was fully committed to, to doing that. Were you always a low bass from your freshman year? Yeah, I got put into choir in sixth grade, and I was doing bass then, too. In but, sixth grade as well? Yeah, I think my voice had begun to drop early, but I was still I was still pretty high, but still relative to the other kids, I was always a bass. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, Do you like singing bass? I love being a bass just because there have been so many opportunities for me to succeed. Yeah. Because the, it is very rare to find good basses, especially like in my district at the time. But no, I wish I could sing solos like other people. Right. But my range just doesn't do that for me. But, you know, like, I feel like the last couple of years, most acapella songs have that little sweet bass solo where they... I hate that. <laughs> this, no. It was a big trend for a while. Every acapella cover, there was, like, that one little, like, five-second bass solo where they... And I have and some the, of those in my group, yeah. and I'm still slightly embarrassed. I'm like, I don't want to be doing this anymore because it's, it's like the pity solo that you have to go bass. <laughs> like, it's, like, seven, eight seconds long. <laughs> and it's... It's like not, it's never that, oh, the bass sounds really good. It's, oh, his voice is low. Why did that trend start? 
Because no one else knew how to feature basses, I think. Oh. But that was so... That was like the thing for a while. Yeah. Everyone loved that little bass solo. Yeah. But it was every little... Every acapella arrangement, you would have that no, five-second bass solo. Yeah. Um, wow. But speaking of acapella singing, and I don't know if I ever asked you about this, actually. So you joined the sing-off uh, when you were at Mount Sac. You formed a group with Nico, Joe who also went to our community college, along with Trace from USC and VJ from Cal State Long Beach. And it was formed by Avi mm-hmm. Kaplan from Pentatonix. So when he first came up to you with that idea, what were your expectations? Were you like, okay, I think we can do something cool? Or were you like, oh, well, this probably won't lead to anything? It's always so weird looking back to something you did and imagining what you were thinking in that moment. Because... Now that I look back, I'm like, what was I doing? I was in school full time. I should have just been focusing, like, you know. But and for what I what happened was he told me that and I said, Okay, I'm gonna put this group together and it just all made sense to me that I should I should call everyone I know who I think Oh, but you put the group together. Yeah. Oh, so Avi just said, Jules, I want you to be the bass and find the group of guys. He told me the sing off, because since they had just won the previous season, he said they're looking for kind of an ethnic sort of group. So oh, I was like, I already know, I know a bunch of Filipinos. Yeah. So I can make it a, a full Filipino group and market it that way. And we were deciding, is it, should it just be Asian American? Should we just do a Fil- Filipino thing? But in the end, we decided, since Metsec has so many Filipinos and make it more specific of an identity, the show will probably like it more. Yeah. So yeah, I put the group together. I called people up. I was looking on YouTube videos. People, I had people send me stuff and I was kind of just filtering through. Oh. And, oh, I didn't know that. And I was like, you know, I had to be like, I wonder, if, do they fit visually with us? Is it going to feel weird? Like, what's our personality like? Can they arrange music? Can they sing solos? And wow. it, yeah, so I had to figure out what I wanted to do. But I just can't believe that I even did that because I was like, you know, I was just 20. So you handpicked everyone in the Philharmonic? Aside from Joe and Nico, you know, because oh, I, I, I did pick them. But when Avi reached out to me, he's like, if you want to do that, I think thing, like you can just get like Joe to do it. Right. And I said Joe, and he's probably Nico too. He's like, yeah, totally Nico, because oh. we're all, like you guys are already like doing a rhythm section thing. But you found Barry, Trace, and um, and VJ. You found them. Yeah. Wow. Because what happened was we had competed against Trace in a competition recently, ICCA. Yeah. So you know, we I kind of kept in touch with him. VJ, I knew that he had been in PST singing vocal jazz, right. but he also was in the on the Voice. So oh. we knew some people who like connected us with them and um, and yeah, so we, we put it together really quickly. But because we by the time we met our group, we actually didn't do our audition until like a month from there. But Joe was still living in Michigan. So that whole yes, month we were rehearsing right. without him. You're right. And yes. we didn't actually get our whole group together until the day before the, the audition tape was due. So we, he flew in, we recorded all of it and sent it off and it worked out for us. Okay, you guys sing together the first day, what's going through your head after you heard the group for the first day without Joe. And then and then with Joe, I want to know. The very first time that I got together was just me, Nico, Barry, and VJ. Okay. And we were just rehearsing in, in, uh, at MI. Do you know MI in Hollywood? The yes. Yeah, there. yeah. We were rehearsing in there because VJ was teaching there. Yeah. And I brought in a piece of music that I had arranged years ago for Fermata just to run through to see what we sound like. And VJ sounded so good. I had never heard a soloist that good because, you know, just coming from a community college, it's like you 
kind of hit or miss sometimes with the solos and acapella groups. Yeah. But he was killing it, like ad-libbing everything that I had written. He was changing it up and making it really cool. So at that moment, I knew this could be really special if we really stuck to this. And it wasn't until that Joe came in, though, when the day before audition, I was like, this is actually we super dope because we got two good singers. Everyone's nailing all their parts. And Nico is bringing this whole identity for us. Um we have a wardrobe and everything that we that so we... you you so you were very confident it wasn't like oh okay i don't know you weren't worried you were like oh wow like this is going to be something special yeah i think that when we sent our audition tape in well after we recorded our audition tape we were heading to our parking like our, the parking garage and kind of getting to our cars and i remember thinking there's a chance i'll never see these guys ever again if this doesn't work out if the producers don't like us why would i see these people but I remember thinking, this feels like a moment, though, that I will remember because this is going to work out for us. So, wow. So you were that confident. Yeah. yeah. And then we stayed up all night editing that video, and I was just thinking, this is, like, it looks great, and it sounds great, and I don't see what they're not going to be into. And then as soon as we sent it in, they were calling us up and hitting us up to... They weren't even, like asking us to do a, a live in-person audition like other groups. They said, automatically, oh. you guys are in. No, no problem. Was that, so did you guys get a phone? Did you get the phone call? Or was it like an email? Or did Avi tell you? I got a phone call from Deke Sharon, who's one of the, yes. yeah, the main yeah. Yeah, people. So he called me up, and I saved that voicemail, I think, at the time. And oh, I so was you didn't like, pick up? Huh? You didn't pick up the call? Uh-uh. <laughs> I, mean, I missed it. And then, so I called him back, and I was freaking out because... Um, you know, I was trying to play it cool, but that's the biggest, at that point, the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. Did you call your dad or your mom afterwards? Or did you just, like, kind of, like, sat with it for a while? Where were you? And, and what did you what did you do right afterwards? We were actually, I think I was in class. That's why I missed it. So then oh. I, when I saw the phone call, it was a 310 number. I was like, okay, this must be someone from L.A. And, um. Yeah, so once I finally got that call from him, I, I called everyone else in the group, told them that we're on the show. But everyone had a good feeling about it just because when we sent our tape in, all the producers said nice stuff to us. They really liked us. And um, everyone's like, it just feels good, right? Yeah. Everyone feels like something's going to happen. But yeah. Dang. Okay, so first day of the sing-off, you, you go, what are you feeling then? We were feeling very nervous about meeting the other groups and who we're going to be competing against. Um, and it wasn't until much later where we were over that. I think when you're on a competition show, a reality show, you realize that it's not you versus other groups, it's you versus the producers. So, you know, we were nervous at first, but eventually it was like, this is all just singers and we're all just here to, you know, have our moment and do what we can. You against the producers, meaning it's... It's not really about who's the most best sounding group. It's about who the producers think will get the most amount of money for the show. Like that. that. Yeah. And also, you know, they're trying to market, yeah, a group to a larger audience and they want to have someone to help promote the show. So you just feel like every single time you are preparing a song that week, you're judging whether or not they want you to stay on the show. Because if they give you a bad song, because every song is obviously like the producers are giving it to you. Even when they make it seem like, okay, this is, uh, this is uh, you know, like the singer's choice this week. It's never the singer's choice. It's still going to be producers. So it's all TV. So I think once we realized that um, 
every time we sing for the producers, they're judging how the storyline's going to go that week. Every time that a producer walks in to see us um, do our choreography, they're kind of gauging, you know, who should we have go first? Who should we have go second? So then once you see the lineup, okay, Philharmonic's going last. So we're like, okay, we're going to stay on this week, I think. You know, because oh. we're the last up, but we've got to be one of the best ones on, right? Like, so you're just constantly evaluating what they're trying to do with the show. And we realize that collectively as as um, competitors. So I think all the nerves that I had originally kind of went away. What was the hardest thing about the sing-off? Because it was intense. Because you were gone for like, I think, more than three months. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you were still paying rent at our apartment, but you were gone for three months. So I know what, more maybe. So yeah. I know it probably was a very intense journey yeah it was it, the thing that was intense was the schedule because you get your song on monday and you're expected to perform on saturday so i think that just going through that whole mm. thing was very very grueling because you have to do choreography you have to do the big group numbers you have your battle song and your original song that you have to do and throughout the whole week your schedule is packed and um, I remember just everyone kind of losing their mind a little bit because you don't get any breaks whatsoever. What was it like while I was gone at home? What did you guys do? Man. Were we still roommates at the time? Like like living in the same room? Or were we just... That was when we were living in the verandas. We had our own room. We, the verandas. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. second floor, yeah. Your mom's your mom's one uh, that we moved into. We uh, Right? I think it was... It was there, and I think for like the last month, we moved your stuff into a different unit of that yes. apartment. Yeah, that's I right, think. That's yeah, right. but um, what, what what were we doing? I don't know. It's all fuzzy for me. What? Do you do you remember the time? Sorry, not to go on a tangent, but do you remember the time when I had a cat for a little bit? Yes. And the cat got fleas. Yes. And it was every. I think because Corey took it. To the dog park? Yeah, yeah, I was there, yeah. <laughs> there were fleas, like, in the house. Like, I think on yeah, no, our yeah, carpet, like, we would yeah. get bit on no, every no. day. Yeah, we had fleas. Um... It was gross. <laughs> it was really gross. And then I, I didn't, once you guys went to China. That's right. I fumigated the house. Yes, I remember yeah, yeah. that now, like, yeah. When you guys leave, I'm going to just <laughs> tear this place apart. Wow. Um, but, yeah. So, you know, thinking about the sing-off and acapella people, there are some people that's very, very intense about acapella music. So, were there those people that took acapella music, like, very seriously? Where they're, like... Like, that movie Pitch Perfect Boxer, is that his name? Bumper. Bumper, yeah, yeah. Like, I actually seen people like that in real life. Had, were there people like that in in the acapella community? Yeah, always. And you know, it's always weird when you're when you're singing just with the Philharmonic. You're singing with another group, and they're like, "I remember you, from ICCA's, 2010. You guys are in that group." And I was like, "Yes. How do you know that?" <laughs> like people will follow, you know, even just the college competitions, and be really into it. And every group kind of has their people who will be super fans of following them from yeah. day ones and. Um, you know, looking back now, we have lots of fans who reach out to us still 
you know, 10 years later. And they're like, I used to, you know, be such a big fan when I was a kid. And it's, it's so crazy. I'm like, that's so gross to think about. Now you're a full adult. Graduated college. Yeah. You know, people who are like watching us as, as little kids on Sing Off now are like going to have kids and stuff, which is so weird. Because you guys were together for like, was it eight years? Nine years? It's been, it's, it's nine years at this point. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. Crazy. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Wild. But yeah, I went through that whole process while we were still living at the verandas. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, you know, do, what do you, what do you like the most about um, being in the Philharmonic? Like, like nine years is a long time. Like, what, what's, what, how do you find... What gives you, like, the most joy at this point, having performed for that long? Yeah. These days, I think the main joy is hanging out with people who I've been around for so long. Mm. It's the gigs and whatever money, like, it, I don't care anymore. It's just, do I get to hang out with, like, the people who, you know, I've been, like, brothers with for so long. We went to, like, when you, when you go on tour with people for that long, especially we were on tour, I think, at one point, for 10 months out of a year. We were still yeah. roommates too. I was paying. <laughs> but when you, go on, yeah. when you go on tour for someone for that long, it just feels like, man, you've been to like war with them at that point. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like very interesting to have to spend that time together. Right, but, right. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Tessa. What's up? Oh, you're not live or anything? No, oh, no we no, are. We're just we're recording. Oh, yeah. 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 Just yeah. saying hi. I didn't want to. It's all quietly getting in. Hi. Yeah. Uh, I like your dress. Thank you so yeah. much. I was at that Nope movie thing. The what? Nope. Have you seen oh. that movie? Nope. They were doing like. Is it good? Did you watch it? Like, Shut up. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Nice. Doing that the thing we filmed together. Cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Do you want to say hi to my 15 listeners? <laughs> Hello, 15 listeners. <laughs> That's Tessa, Hello. the director. Wait, did you watch the actual movie? Yeah, we watched it on Monday. Was it good? Sarah, what did you think of the Nope movie? Also, so they're live. They're it? live right now. But... I can't say. You guys are I haven't seen it, but did you like it? What? The yes, movie? I... She doesn't I... like scary. She yelled at I yelled. Because the... okay. I, I, uh, I, I get scared easily, and I like jump. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just interviewed um, Brandon today. Sick. He's Filipino-American. Mm -hmm. Live oh, we're, no, we're not recording. live streaming. Oh. Yeah. Just the uh, nice, good old fashioned podcast, yeah. podcast recording. Hi. Hello. Good to see you. I know him from the, the, the senior. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh. Singer, yeah. <laughs> the K pop people. Yeah. 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 Nice to meet you. Ooh, sorry about that, folks. Okay, well, let's get to this part. So, yeah. Uh, I think by this point, the listeners know that I, I struggle a lot in my dating life. Okay. And uh, Jules has seen it all. He's seen some of the worst heartbreaks that I've ever went through. Like, multiple ones where I was just completely devastated. Um and i definitely for each of those for each crush i had i went to jules for dating advice for tips and um it uh you know i'm still single so but <laughs> um 
but I, I trust Joel's um, wisdom, the dating wisdom. It worked. It was it was me. But I have to ask from you, Jules, because you are objective and you are you are you are astute and you are observant. What is my issue? Because you see me, <laughs> you see me get heartbroken by probably like five, six girls now, where I invested like months of my life trying to woo them, trying to win them over, and it always, always, never worked out. Never. So what what is it about me? Am I trying too hard? Am I not trying enough? You know, it it's it's really it's hard to say. Oh, it's hard to say. There isn't a thing, I think, you know. And it's easy to get caught up on thinking what did I do wrong or what is wrong with me? But it just was the situation. It was just the situation. Six different isolated <laughs> situations. Except for that one time. Do you remember when, and obviously I don't remember any of those names, but we were, you were saying, like, I'm kind of interested in this girl. So we were, like, figuring out how we message her. Yes. But it was almost to the point where I was just messaging her. <laughs> so then by the time you hung out, it was like you're a completely different person. Yeah. So she's like... <laughs> I would always ask Jules, like, how should I uh, craft this text message? Like, she responded in two minutes, so should I respond in five minutes? And then Jules is like, okay, wait 20 minutes or something like that. And and then, like, they would be going pretty well. You guys would schedule a date. And yeah. I remember there was one time you guys went on a date and you said, I think it kind of felt like an interview. <laughs> like, yeah. You were just asking, like, I like, I, I, I like to ask questions, um, but I think I asked the wrong questions. It's not like What dating. kind of questions do you ask people? I think I honestly was asking them questions like, like um i don't what's know what's your worst quality yeah like just weird <laughs> questions because i like to catch people off guard but uh i don't know yeah, so what is, yeah what do you normally do when you're on a date with someone then like in general are you, is it is that how you normally will talk to someone just like asking them questions like that well it changes every time because i go on dates like once seriously like once every three years or every three to four years so you know, I change within that time span. So my dating game doesn't really, it evolves, but not because I learned the error of my dating experiences, but because I just change as a person. But, but you're, you know, you're very funny and you're very easy to like hang out with. So how come you're, why would your date not feel fun? I think it's because I, I, um, I, 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 I overthink. Like, when I'm meeting a person on the first date, I already thought, like, what we would be like, like, two years down the line. Uh-huh. Like, I'm already thinking, like, well, she's about to go to college. Well, she works at this position, so she'll probably get a promotion by then. By that point, I would have probably graduated college. So I'm thinking <laughs> so much. So the questions I'm asking is... Are questions that are very intense, I think. And, oh, okay. And my reasoning is, well, I have to show them like yeah. the most raw, authentic part of me, because I, 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 I'm serious. I'm serious about the relationship, but it, it scares them. So, like, I have, I, I don't play the game. I know I have to play the game. Yeah. But I don't. I don't play the game because. And is your strategy just to be like, well, eventually I'll find a girl who is the same and she won't be playing any sort of game like that? That was the strategy, but I feel after all these rejections, I feel like 
this way no girl will ever want me you know i don't think any girl will want that type of a uh, serious interrogating style i guess but then you also dated people still before it's like you have dated people for you know they weren't long relationships or anything but yeah so they like they liked that right well most most all my dates i never went on more than one date and if i did go on one more than one date i ended up dating them okay so i never so after the first date if I know or they them. know. Yeah. <laughs> After every first date, I, I already made the decision. Like, I don't want to see them again. Or they made the decision yeah. that they don't want to see me again. So, but I think that's my problem. Mm. Like, I have to realize that people, you can't figure someone out after one date. Yeah. You know, but. I mean, we also went on a couple of double dates, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those... I mean, could, it was could rough. Have gone better. It was like Jules was trying so hard to make me look good, and I just kept on. <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna take this shit." <laughs> <laughs> he I tried to help remember. so much, but I just kept on effing yeah. it up. And yeah, I remember we went on dim sum, and yeah, because that's the one where you talked about your your ex a lot. Yeah, your we, first girlfriend ever, like your high school. Yes, girlfriend. we went on a dim sum date, yeah. and we um we uh. It was going well, and I kept and I brought up my ex girlfriend. I and I probably talked about her for at least like twenty minutes, yeah. and it got really, like, what the hell? Like, so does he? It like was me? funny, but it wasn't. So, I don't think it's what she wanted to be hearing at that moment. <laughs> for someone she's like considering dating. Wait, so you're telling me that a girl doesn't want to hear about a past relationship on the first date? She, she didn't want to hear about it so much that. A month later, she started dating a gay guy. <laughs> like, she really did. But I hear yeah, it, it could have gone better. It could have gone better. I yeah, uh, there was a girl that I liked in community college that Jules helped me out with a lot, and um, she told me after like a, a couple months of me pursuing her, I tried to like you, but I just can't. It's <laughs> the worst thing. <laughs> How did she say that? She literally said like, "I want to like you so badly." Cause you're so good to me, but I can't. And like a week later, she ended up going out with a guy who told her that I'm pretty sure I'm gay, but I think I want to explore to see. Yeah, and good for him. But yeah, that was just hard to hear at the moment. Yeah, and I think because I remember you guys were talking a lot. I mean, I, at least I remember like I remember us being in the same area and just hearing cacao chat <laughs> quite a bit so was, yeah he's obviously talking to some asian girl there's a lot of cacao um notification like there's a lot oh going my on gosh. so yeah what who what type of girl do you think will match with me because i think i you know i'm very picky now um because a problem I did have was with the girls I did end up going out with. I, 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 and I really hope they will never listen to this podcast. But I'm being honest for you guys, is that I lost, I lost interest in them. So I no longer felt attracted. Not to, because they weren't attractive, but I, I had, I reacted too fast. Like the rose-colored glasses were still on when I'm like, this is the one. So when they finally wore off, I realized like, oh, I just, I, it was impulsive, you know, back to what we talked about earlier, where I just make very quick decisions. Um, so 
Well, the, I think the thing is, you know, I think maybe you want to feel like you're you're getting a good catch, right? You want to feel like you're maybe dating like outside of your league, as people say. Is that what it is? You want you want that feeling. I want to. You don't want to feel like you're settling for someone that you feel like maybe you're not that into. That's very true. Like I ha- um, I need to feel like head over heels about this person. Like like I need to be crazy about them, not just physically, but intellectually, but also physically. Like, yeah. I just set the bar like really really high because I don't want to experience not feeling attracted to my partner or make them feel like having a partner, you know, not be attracted to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like, what what type of girl matches my personality? Like, do I need, like, a, like a, like a bubbly alpha girl? Do I need, like, a, you know, like a shy kawaii girl? Like, do I need, like, a, you know, like a... Like a tough girl? Um, no, I you know, everyone is so different, but what I feel like that you need is someone who excites you and makes you feel like you you know, you can keep growing with them, but also understands all the little facets about your personality probably. Okay. Feeling like they appreciate that you can be funny and goofy and weird and all that. Like, you don't want to feel like you can't be yourself 100%. So. Right. But there are people, of course, who appreciate that. I mean, people, like, you know, we have tons of friends who love everything you do. So there's always people like that who will be able to appreciate that about you. But the main thing is finding someone who is, like, exciting, I think. Whatever that means for you. Finding someone that's exciting. Whether it's they are adored by a bunch of other people, maybe. You're like, okay, this person is cool because look at how much they inspire other people and how much fun it would be to date that person. Right. I'm going to give you a, a hot take. So you might you might be in some hot waters based on how you answer this question. Okay. Do you think I'll fit well with an Asian woman? Because Asian women... Are, are kind of, like all, all women of different cultures they're they're different you know and i feel like asian women like a particular style of men you think so i think so yeah like what do you think asian women like well you're trying to spin this on me <laughs> now <laughs> i think asian women like assertive decisive that's all, it's all women. Oh, is it all women? They, I mean, they they don't like... I mean, just generally things that are attractive about men is maybe someone who, you know, obviously isn't super shy and is able to at least... Oh, crap. Now I'm really screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was just Asian women who wanted that. Okay, darn. Um, yeah, I don't think, you know, race affects that aspect of someone's personality as much and would you would say though that i'm not a very decisive person right no i yeah. don't know I, I don't know i think you are oh really so you don't think so no i think that's like my and that's what i was talking about earlier i think because i i feel like you will have an idea and you will execute it in that way i feel like that's decisive yes yes but uh i'm definitely not decisive when it comes to like where should we go eat 
I'm bored. What should we do? Um, you know, like, I don't know where our relationship is going. What do you think we should do to, you know, make uh, it work and stuff? Yeah. Like, okay. Because I think a lot of girls say, where do you want to eat? And I always say, you decide. Why, though? Because I really genuinely don't care where we eat. I know you really don't, though. Because yeah. when you used to eat, you just kind of eat whatever we eat. Yeah, because I'm not a picky eater. Yeah. And also, I I just don't. But, I, but I, I'm trying to change that because I know women need a man who says, let's go get in and out or let's go here. So I'm adapting, but... And that's just generalization. There's there's plenty of girls who don't like that. Oh. But, you know, I mean, I, I that's what I feel like people tend to say, at least people I've dated, that, you know, it's more attractive for someone who's be able who's able to make a decision and kind of, um, like, help ease the whole situation because now you're like, okay, well, I don't know, so you're just going to sit in the car and not eat. But isn't that the case, sir? <sighs> <laughs> man these also feel like easy fixes though this just sounds like something you don't want to do it, you, could, you could just do it i could but here here is here's my dilemma it's because i wouldn't be presenting them with what i actually feel so i want them if i really like them then i i feel like i should give them the real answer which is i don't care no, even no, at I the expense i don't think of, that's reasonable you don't think so? No, I don't think that's reasonable just because a relationship and any friendship is yeah. supposed to be, yes, yeah, you know, people working and helping each other to make things yeah. easy. So even if it's yeah. authentic to you, right, you have to figure out ways to you're, make sure that their experience is still better. You're totally right. Yeah. I thought about that at one point too. It's, it's, you have to meet them halfway. It can't, yeah. But also, you know, you can still find a fit with someone who maybe makes that transition easier for you. There's tons of things that I don't like to right. do, but I have to figure out, well, how can I do this to make sure that it works out better for me? Yeah. Like, I don't like returning clothes, and I don't like I don't like oh. to do things that are, like, awkward socially for me. Yeah. So yeah. that's something that I would like someone to do and help me out with because I just feel like I don't want them to be... Like, I don't like, like returning my food if I don't like it. Right. I, I'll just eat whatever it tastes like shit. I don't care. <laughs> like, I'll just do it. But, like, I've dated people before who are very helpful about helping me with that. But also, um, you know, if you find someone who can help you with that, maybe it's great. But, you know, there's always things you can work on to help each other out. And I understand being authentic. Yeah. But there's always going to be things that are, like, you difficult. You are totally right. And I think this is going to change my dating life. I'm serious. You're right. Being authentic, yes, it's important, but it can't be at the expense of contribute of relationship contributing to a relationship. And at the very least, self awareness and communication about that topic is the least you can do. Like being like, I don't like to choose things, but I'm going to choose to make this better for us. Oh. But this is not something I naturally would like to do. And then at the very least, you're self-aware and you have talked about it. That's so smart. You're right. Yeah, so I, 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 sh I should, instead of just saying, I don't care, we'll go, let's go anywhere you want. I should be saying, I don't care, but we can go to McDonald's. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright. But I just have to That's another issue. But you're so right. I just tell them what I really feel, but also tell them what they want to hear, right? Yeah. yeah. Like not want to hear, but what will be a productive solution to that that um question. Yeah. And then it be I think wow. at that point maybe it becomes endearing. Oh, Ryan doesn't like to choose. He really legitimately doesn't like to choose. And then it's okay. Well, but, I can help you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Last question, okay. and I think we have to end it. Okay. Because I think we already went a little bit over. But how are you so good with social interactions? And I'm not saying. What I mean by social interaction is you're really good at reading people, reading the room, reading. Um, analyzing situations, social situations, coming up with solutions, de-escalate. Like you, you just seem like the master of anything that has to deal with social interactions. Like you just know what to do, and you do it in a way that is just so natural. Where and how did you develop that skill? Thank you, for especially because you were an only child. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like to think that I am pretty good at dealing with people in general and understanding what someone needs at that moment. And I think part of the reason is because I went through so many moments of feeling strange or feeling like I'm not fitting in or feel like I'm not getting what I need in a social situation because of my, my social anxiety when I was younger and you know being alone for so long and not fitting into different groups and then now i'm i kind of feel a lot more empathetic for everyone and feeling like what does that person need and sometimes i'll ask them you know what do you need are you okay and i think a lot of people empathize with me who are that person in their friend group who tries to take care of others and make sure everyone's happy because you had found this role for yourself and that's one reason because you found a role for yourself to fit in as someone who like knows how to care for other people, but also you understand what it feels like to just like feel like shit and feel weird. So I think just putting myself in my shoes and putting myself in other people's shoes has been a way for me to, to, to work on that. But also I grew up with family members who are a little more eccentric, a little more crazy. Mm. And I was always the person who was in the background kind of just feeling like, what do I have to do to make that person feel like needed to. So I also have lots of experience with family members who were doing way too much or doing too little and having to figure out how I fit amongst that crowd. Right. So it's just, I feel like I, you know, there's trauma, there's experience, there's so many things. But the baseline now is realizing I would like to make sure that everyone's experience is great. And I want to um, do whatever I can to make a, make a whole thing better. So it's taken a lot, but, you know. The uh, one event that comes to mind that made me feel this way about you is when I I received the phone call from another girl that I've been trying to woo for a long time. And she said, I don't want to date you. It was when we were helping out with cleaning the sanctuary you were working at. And it was raining that day. And I got that phone call. And, I, and the sanctuary had a river. Yeah. And I, and shortly after that phone call, I fell in that river and my shoes got stuck down there. So I lost my shoes too. 
And um, we finished cleaning up. And I said, you know, I'll just see you guys at home. And I walked to like a bus stop to just sit down, to just process and just to be alone. And when I came back in the apartment, Corey said, like me and Jules, we were driving home and we saw you sitting on the bus stop. And I told Jules, Jules, let me out. I need to go talk to Ryan. But you, uh, he said Jules told him, no, man, he needs to be alone. <laughs> and It's so dramatic now looking back. Yeah, but it's such a funny story now. But when I heard that, I'm like, oh, wow. That was completely the right choice to make. And it was completely what most people wouldn't have done. They wouldn't have given me that space and time to process, you know? So that's, that, that is when I started to think, like, he, he, is, he is a very empathetic person. Like, that's, that was just one, one memory that I distinctly have where I'm like, oh, like, your social intelligence is very, very high. Yeah, there's times where you have to force someone to do something to fix it. Force someone to go out, maybe, and it'll make them feel better. But yeah, I feel like there's so many ways that we have the same personality, and you can't force us to do something. If you know, we're gonna do it in our own time. Yeah. So at that moment, I was thinking, if I was there and I was dealing with that, it would probably feel really nice to just like chill for a minute right. and not have someone be in your face trying to distract you. Yeah. And just at least like think about it for a while. Right. So, right. Um. You know, that's what I was going through my head at the moment. Yeah, no, agreed. I do I do agree too. I feel like there are certain aspects of your personality that I feel very very uh I I feel like I could relate to a lot that I don't find that I could relate to other people with. And maybe it's because we lived together for so long and we kind of just adopted that, but yeah, um I will say living with you very very formative in the best way possible. I think I will be a very, very different person if I never lived with you and Corey. Yeah. And no, I Shelby feel, and I Stephanie. feel very lucky to have fallen into a college experience that was actually very healthy. Yeah. Because so many people get into weird roommate situations at the time and we stuck it out for so long. So. Right. Right. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, it, we definitely had bumps too, but very reasonable bombs and yeah yo. it was never us right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was never us. we were always chill yeah yeah okay yeah. man well i I'm, I'm so i feel like i learned a lot more about you today which i wasn't expecting but i'm so thankful but jules is the man check him out check out the philharmonic and um we will uh i'll talk to you guys soon thanks for coming here jules of course take care everyone one, two, three. Oh, crap. Cool.